1: Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello,
2: Biblical Citizens. Can you believe it's already election time again? And it's a presidential election, of course. Here in California, the March 5 primaries upon us, you should have already received your ballot. In fact, Kathleen and I have already voted. We're going to talk about that later, about where, when to vote. The hint is Early. Today we're talking a hot legislative race for the 75th Assembly. That district covers much of each East County. The officially endorsed Republican candidate is Andrew Hayes. He is president of the Lakeside School Board, and he's district director for another uh, real hero of ours, Senator Brian Jones. Welcome, Andrew. Hey,
3: thank you guys for having me this morning.
2: So, Andrew, I think you've already, we've had you on before, I think you've already proved yourself to be a leader on the Lakeside School Board, but for the benefit of our listeners now, how long have you been serving in that capacity, and what are some of the things school board members like you do?
3: Yeah, well, I've been serving uh, on the board for seven years, Um, and, you know, one of the things about a school board board member is, you know, you're really... um, in charge of the oversight of the district, right? So your your job is to make sure you're, you know, the budget's balanced, that, uh, you know, kids have enough supplies to learn, that they're not being, you know, Uh, indoctrinated with, with, you know, some of the woke stuff that's coming from Sacramento. And, you know, our job is to push back on all of those things as as much as possible. And, uh, you know, you have to have school board members that are willing to to stand in the breach. You know, and then things that, that come up about, you know, for school board members are things related to crime, like I've had to fight the placement of sex predators in our community and uh, I've had uh, to fight tax increases. I've had to fight school closures, you know, uh, and all these things uh, because of COVID. And so, you know, when you look at all of this, school board members really do have an important role in, in serving not just their community but the kids. And uh, I think it's really important that, you know, we see that. And that's one of the reasons I'm running for assembly is I'm just tired of Sacramento uh, taking away local control from school districts and from rights from parents.
4: Well, that's what we were going to ask you next, is reasons for running for state assembly. You're on your way up a notch. Uh, You know, there's the state, the local. So this is the state assembly you're going to hopefully be in. So what are some of the big issues that, when you talk to people, what are the important issues that are on their minds?
3: Uh, Well, certainly uh, one of those uh, key issues is is close to my heart, which is, you know parents rights uh, a lot of parents feel as they are uh, that sacramento is is you know removing their rights and taking away their their ability to to direct the education of their children and so that's why i've you know championed a, a parents bill of rights to help ensure parents have access uh, and a say and a greater say in their children's education so that's one really important issue another issue that i hear a lot about is crime you know i mean we're seeing that you know when it's legal for Somebody to go into a Walmart and calculate up to $950 worth of, uh, you know, uh, uh, merchandise and steal it, and there's no punishment. Uh, we also see, though, um, uh, sex predators being dumped all across uh, the rural parts of our county in San Diego, from you know Borrego Springs to to Fallbrook to, to Campo, right? And. And these things are just not, not appropriate. And that's wrong. And those kind of practices need to stop. So I'm hearing all of these things about crime. And then, of course, cost of living and affordability. You know, we have rampant inflation created by the Bidenomics that we see, uh, happening. But we also, uh, see death by a thousand cuts, right? With taxes, uh, and, and, um, you know, local tax increases always coming uh, forward, whether that be, you know, city sales tax or school bonds right with true property tax increases or proposals to undermine prop 13 so all of these things uh are i hear from voters and they're they're at the top of my mind and my number one job is to help when i get to sacramento is going to be to deliver uh, uh results for my constituents
4: excellent well let's go through these a little bit these top issues including parental notification. That's a big one with us. And we've been speaking out at our school board, our local uh, Escondido Union High School school board, because we've been dealing with that. And yes, parents need to have a parent's bill of rights. I mean, it should be just taken without, without question because of the bill of rights, because of the constitutional bill of rights. But here we have to have a a special parents bill of rights and you've done that. So tell us a little bit about it. What's in that and has it been effective? That's what you've done in Lakeside. Has it gone to other school districts? Tell us about it.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the parents bill of rights that I've authored um, and proposed uh, is, it it has eight pillars to it, but I'll summarize them in a couple things, in a couple ways. Um, One of them is, uh, parent curriculum committees, right? So reestablishing or reinstating. Many school districts have curriculum committees, right, that that allow for there to be parental oversight of curriculum, parental input in curriculum. Uh, so that's that's one key component of this is, is really getting parental committees uh reestablished, reengaged uh, on curriculum approval. So mm. that's that's one. The second part, one of the one of the other second key points of this is uh, what What books kids are are checking out in libraries, right? what books uh parents want their kids to read? look, parents should be told if their kids are checking out books in a library and what books their kids are checking out in the library, and if the parents don't want them to check out that any of those books, they should be able to tell the district that we we don't like that book and we don't want our kid to check out that book and I think that that's a really important component
4: absolutely, and i don 't think a lot of parents know that they even can have input into the textbooks or the library choices. Well, and, and, and it didn't used to be such a problem, but now it really is with all the pornography flooding in and other yes, woke right. things, right?
3: That's right. So, exactly. And that's one of the things is a lot of parents don't know that many of these rights that they have, they just need to exercise. Right. And so uh, as a school board member, it's my job to make sure they know their rights and they have the ability to exercise them. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, that that is that's a very important part of my parents' bill of rights. So so that's one thing. The other thing has to do with um, uh, gender transitioning. I mean, we see uh, n- you know numerous numerous things that are occurring in in schools. And one of those things is when kids who are twelve years old can be referred to mental health services without parental consent from schools. Right? That's a huge problem. Yes, because you can't in, in a school district. You know, in a school district, you can't give kids aspirin without waivers, right? So why are we saying that a kid could be referred to mental health services uh, and not be allowed to have the parent waive that? Like, why are we why are we not asking for those things? Why are we not saying that parents should have that right? Why are we not saying that parents should be notified? And, and that's, that's really an important part because, to me, those kinds of laws are camel's noses under the tent, right, that allow yes. for these abilities for us to, to, you know, perhaps kids could go and get gender reassignment surgery, and then the parent's not even told. This stuff is scary. And so um, yes, there, are regulations, there are regulations that are created by bureaucrats, not by school boards, because the boards pass board policy. But then what ends up happening is the bureaucrats take over the process and they create these crazy loopholes. And so what what I intend to do as as a board member is we're identifying those loopholes, and we want to close those, right? So we actually, last month at my board meeting, had a great victory for parents. Uh, we, as a board, uh, unanimously voted to uh, suspend a regulation, administrative regulation, that requires district staff to keep secret from parents when a kid wants to transition. And that that rule was suspended in my district. Great. These well, are the practical
2: Andrew, and, that, and that that, is that alone, we, yeah, that's, that's that statement and that action alone by you, I think, is reason why every listener to this show, whether they live in your district or not, should support you. And I'm not unbiased on this, folks. Well,
4: and they can use yeah. this precedent in their own school district that's right to get it passed in their own school school district and and andrew in that
2: regard haven't you shown leadership i think referring to a previous conversation we've had haven't you shown leadership to other school districts around maybe around the state on uh, some of these parental rights issues
3: Absolutely. I mean, whether that was reopening schools in COVID, and we had a coalition of over 45 school board members from 25 different school districts, or whether it's been, uh, you know, through this Parents' Bill of Rights, where I've been building coalitions of board members to, to push back and, and build on these, on these ideas of parents having access and being able to further direct their kids' education. So all of those things, to me, are really relevant and very important. And, you know, we have to make sure that we're fighting for kids and, that, and parents, right? And, and, and I think that, for me, you know, all of these, all of these things matter. And, and parents, you know, should know and, 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 you know, voters should know that Republicans and conservatives, we can have wins. We're not going to change the world in one day. Heck, we didn't get here in one day. But we can have incremental victories, and and we can have incremental victories on the issues that matter. And parents' rights is certainly one. I,
2: I absolutely. I want to talk about uh, one or two pocketbook issues now that are also sure. important. One of the things you highlight on your website is, and you've mentioned it, is preventing tax increases. It like you said earlier, whether it's at the local level, whether it's at the state level, we're already, I believe, the highest taxed uh, state in the nation. And yet there's an inevitable push to tax more and more and more. What has been your role in the Lakeside School District? Have you had the opportunity to fight against tax increases there?
3: I have absolutely had that. So when I, uh, you know, this state is death by a thousand cuts, as I had mentioned. And one of the 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 things when I first got elected to the board, one of the first battles that I had was a tax battle. And uh, in fact, we had had a, um, uh, one of the school district staff had approached me and said, Andrew, you know, our, our buildings are crumbling and, and we have asbestos in the pipes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I said, and they said to me, well, you know, we really need a bond to go on the ballot. We really need to you know, you know, and that's an increase in taxes. And it was a $66 million bond. And so as I evaluated their proposal, I noticed and recognized that 30% of this tax was going to go to consultants, 30%. And Hmm. I I was just, I was furious. And so I said, absolutely not. We're not doing this. We're not going back to the taxpayer for more money. Uh, We cannot do that. Lakeside folks are done with tax increases. They're tired of this death by a thousand cuts, and we need to push back. So... I was the lone vote against this tax increase on my board and uh, I was able to then go out and campaign and defeat it. Oh. And wow. that is and that is how we won. We beat a $66 million tax increase and that was my first two years on the board. Very impressive. Uh, was that yeah, and wait,
2: did you defeat it at the ballot box? In other words, was that yep. put on the ballot? Okay.
3: Yep. Okay. We defeated it at the ballot box. I wrote uh you know the op- the the um the uh, ballot argument and opposition, and I campaigned against uh, the tax increase, and we defeated it at the ballot box. I mean, it went down hard. It lost by, I think, sixty-six percent of people said no to it. So, I mean, it it went down hard because well, people don't want taxes.
4: Well, especially, isn't a lot? Aren't a lot of those contracts that are for consultants? They're just rewarding their buddies with the tax money from. From people, I mean potentially political know. contributors. Yeah, yeah. Contrib- so I mean, well, and, you've and gotta another be careful thing, another thing—that
2: like, drives me just, crazy, Andrew—is that I think a lot of people don't realize that a bond increase or a new bond is exactly as you say; it's the same as a tax increase. That's what happens. Your property taxes automatically go up. That's why Prop 13 set it at one percent. And guess what? It keeps going to one two, one three, one four. That's based on these bonds that they keep passing and some people don't even I don't know, it seems like they don't even notice it sometimes.
3: That's true. Uh, and they only notice it when they get their property tax bill, right? Yeah, and right. and then they get mad about it and it's like, but when they hear from, you know, these these school districts that say, Oh, you know, our schools are crumbling and we have no ways to finance it's like that's not accurate. There are other ways to finance
4: schools. Well, but, and that is but, what it contributes so much, the taxes here in California, to the high cost of living and to inflation. Uh, to t- t- tell absolutely. us, you know, this, they wonder why they have to move away because their taxes are so why, high, their why property gas taxes. Is why two gas? bucks
2: cheaper, uh, two bucks cheaper when you leave California. And two bucks a gallon we're, cheaper. Because we're, yeah. we're
4: supporting this large government i mean like in even in san diego county i think i'm understanding you're right that a third of the jobs are government you know county the county jobs here i mean that's just that and that's what our founding fathers wanted not to have is a big bloated government that takes a lot of support from the people like you know scale it back have a smaller government that's
2: limited (laughs) <laughs>
4: that's right and that's its powers right. agree so,
2: so what what can what can you do in the assembly andrew to fight to help californians struggling with inflation with a high cost well, of living
3: one of those things is you can create uh, good jobs right you can create jobs in your local community right and so how do you do those things well one of those ways is you start looking at ways to um uh, build housing right you start looking at ways to b- uh, make it more affordable for people to live here right and be able to stay here and keep their money here see that's the thing when people are able to stay and able to afford things you can you the money gets reinserted back into the economy and it helps everybody right yeah and so you as a state legislator you know you have the ability to look in your local community and find opportunities to create growth you know in in uh, east county san diego there are so many Opportunities for manufacturing. There are so many opportunities to create uh, pathways for apprenticeships for kids to get jobs. Uh, there are so many uh, opportunities to, to build housing that's, that's not, I don't like the term affordable housing, I like the term attainable housing uh, because that way people can know they're attaining home ownership. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for those things, but it's, it's a mixed bag because you have to be able to say, all right, we need to do these things. But then doing that thing means you need to fight environmental policy that says you can't uh, build anymore uh, because it's going to kill an owl, right? <laughs> right, you know? right, so, or, yeah. So. And so we have to be able to balance these needs. And truly, if you get people uh, uh, jobs that, that are a- they're able to, to keep, to earn a good uh, good wage, and be able to reinsert that money into the economy, that is great. And there could be numerous jobs like that. Like, you know, uh, in Lakeside, there's a PepsiCo that just opened up. Amazon wants to open up new facilities. Those are all good jobs that people can can do. Uh, and my district is a working-class district. So, you know, there are people who want to work in construction. But the beauty of this for me is, how can we encourage more kids to go out and get jobs that don't require four-year degrees? Excellent. Require, yep,
2: we agree. Uh, especially yep, given, the the state, given the current state of colleges and universities. Yep. Uh, I'm going to move on because we. I, I really want to give our listeners a chance to hear your views on all the major issues before we run out of time. And another one, again, sure. that you've already touched on. Is crime, And I want to mention someone else that we've had on our show in the past is Congressman Kevin Kiley, formerly an assembly person up in Sacramento, and he's involved. We're getting uh, emails and so on. He's involved in a proposition to repeal Prop 47. That's the prop that basically legalized all shoplifting up to $950. You already made reference to this. Are you... Um, are you involved at all in this effort, or what, what can Californians do on this one?
3: Absolutely. I'm actually, yes, I am involved on this effort. Actually, D.A. Summer Steffen uh, is helping with this effort uh, here in San Diego, and she's kind of spearheading it. So uh, I have been um, uh, uh, absolutely on board to help. In fact, uh, I'm getting some copies of the, uh, the signatures to get this proposition qualified, and my campaign office and my office is going to help uh, push those out and, and encourage people to sign uh, and get this uh, proposition uh, repealed. Look, you know, when I get to the legislature, I'll, I'd want to repeal this proposition and I can introduce a bill to do that. But I think we need to do this as a one-two punch. We need to do it as let's get it on the ballot. And if it's done by the ballot, great. And then let's try to do it legislatively too uh, to repeal it, because this is creating uh, this is rewarding bad behavior. I mean, we know that and that's what Sacramento wants to do with criminals, is they reward bad behavior all the time. And yeah, they really I, I do. Use, I use this example when it comes to sex predators. There was a judge that that uh, was was talking about a sexually violent predator being placed in a local community, and the judge said that that these folks have a right to re-offend. What? I mean, <laughs> I yeah, I mean it's mean, Come on. Nonsense.
4: They actually say that. Nonsense. It comes out of their Marxist idea that they it's all it's all society's fault, and you got to even out the haves and the haves not I guess I mean, wherever it comes otherwise from, it's crazy
2: wherever it comes from, it's insanity, and it needs <laughs> yeah. to be called out as insanity statements yeah, it, like it that statements like that should not be allowed to just say oh that's just perfectly normal to say something like that i I support sex predators, oh that's cool okay. a right to reoffend. Every, everyone I mean, has a right to their opinion come on. yeah, except that's he's just... a judge, so. Wow. Um
4: that's outrageous.
2: I want to uh, we have we have more we can talk about about issues but I want to make sure we have a little bit of time to talk about your competitive race and a little bit of background. Yep. I'd say until recently Andrew um I would say you were close to a shoe in. By the way, this seat is to replace Marie Waldron who's termed out. And so you've been preparing and working on this for quite a while. You raised a lot of money Uh, we were one of the ones that you let know very early on that you were doing this you've you have the official county republican endorsement you're in a conservative east county district so you're the perfect uh, views for this district and lots of major political figures have endorsed you so then seeming to me, I'm just speaking for me, seemingly out of the blue, Carl DeMaio, who we have supported on propositions, we've supported on certain propositions and things, but very late in the game he announced his candidacy for the same seat. So I want to give you a little chance to, what's your view of what happened here and where does this stand?
3: I think uh, for me, I didn't have to move here to run. I was born and raised in the district Carl has lived for however many years in Rancho Bernardo and probably still does live there. But the bottom line is that, you know, that's not in the district. He's not from the district. And I think this district wants someone who represents them and who will represent them uh, and who's from here. I think the other thing is that's why I've been endorsed by so many people from the district. Uh, So many people in the district are supporting me uh, because I'm from here and I want to deliver and move the ball. Uh, you know, I can speculate as to why people want to do these things and want to run and all those things. But my view is is that I'm the best man for the job because I'm from the district and because I have fought and had, and made, and had deliverables for my constituents. You see, one of the things that's so important about a legislator is somebody who's committed to getting something accomplished for their constituents, not somebody who's going to pound their fist on the table and say they've done a lot. See, when you come to back to the district and you say, "Oh, you know, I've done this, I've done that," but all you did was just vote no on bad bills and you didn't work to make anything less worse for your constituents, why would they reelect you?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm the I'm the guy who wants to push back, get things accomplished, and make things less worse for the people of my district and improve their quality of life, not just use this as a way to promote myself. I want to make sure that I have deliverables for my constituents. And I think for me, that's a very important thing. And that's why I think that, um, uh, you know, the local Republican Party and all of these local leaders uh, are supporting me.
4: I was surprised. Last time I heard you speak publicly, was at the New Majority fundraiser and and lunch? And you just did such a good job. And you mentioned all the people that are endorsing you in your district. That was, isn't it the police department the fire um the school well of course the school board that they worked with you and and seen your accomplishments there and and i don't know you had a whole long string of them
2: (laughs) but what most impresses me is what andrew already mentioned it's not he's got big endorsements like daryl isa and so on but i'm i'm more impressed by the local endorsements that he mentioned because that shows you're rooted in the community by people who know you up close and personal, so to speak. And I so, don't
4: even know why it's legal to run for office in a district that you don't live in. Like, why is that even legal?
2: Well, that's it, a, shouldn't,
3: uh, it shouldn't be.
2: That's a whole different... Well, we've reached about the end of our show, Andrew. It's been great. What can listeners do? You want to refer them to a website or anything? What can listeners yeah. do to help you in your campaign?
3: Absolutely. Well, there's, two, two, there's three big things. One is go to my website, sign up for updates. My website is electandrewhayes.com. Uh, The second thing is, you know, get a yard sign, uh, put it in your yard. And the third thing is, uh, you know, volunteer, word of mouth, all those things. We have volunteer days. We have phone banking. We have uh, mail stuffing. We have walking. uh, And and then, of course, just share with your friends that, that, you know, um, I'm a conservative uh, believer, and I want to change uh, things in Sacramento, and I want to make sure that we can have a better California, because I'm not leaving. I'm not moving and I'm gonna stay and fight.
4: Good, and we're not either. And we just really endorse you, Andrew, we're behind you. We tell our listeners, get out there and get involved and support Andrew Hayes for, for state assembly. We whether, need you him. Live,
2: whether you live in the district yeah. or not, this helps all of us in the county.
4: We need That's him right. in the legislature, and he's an accomplished and experienced guy already. So, uh. To bless your neighbor, do all that, <laughs> and vote. We need you to vote. Go to Vote dot com, vote dot com. Go and you and, can
2: confirm that it's been recorded, so you can. Yes, you can track your now. vote.
4: That's a good idea. It's time to start voting early and tracking it. You can go to voter dot com for some of the things you don't know as well, and so. Biblical Citizens, let's roll till next week. Join
1: us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen, let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen